your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 352 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of our nation's capital, Ottawa, Ontario, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And the Montreal Canadiens live to die another day. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in overtime at home. And now the Stanley Cup moves back down to Tampa, where it will be in the arena for the second straight game. We'll recap last night's game, give you a preview of game five. I think somebody on this podcast had lightning in five, but we'll touch on that a little later on before turning our attention to our draft rankings. We're getting in to the forties by the end of today's list. That's dangerously close to where the senators have two second round picks 39th and 42nd respectively. So naturally we've got a pair of big defensemen and a couple gritty forwards to tell you about. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, July 6th, and Pilsy, safe to say Josh Anderson was playing like he had nothing to lose last night. I know that as soon as he scored that goal, I was like, wow, I guess the joke's on us, Ross. The nothing to lose mentality apparently is the perfect attitude when you're down 3 nothing in the cup finals. Well, which goal? Because he had two of them. The first one opened the scoring, giving Montreal their first lead of the Stanley Cup final. It took until game four. And then he ends it with an absolute heart and hustle play where the play goes behind the net. He doesn't give up right back to the front. Nice little accidental deflection off a stick uh, from a Caulfield pass and bingo, bango, bongo. We're going back to Tampa Bay. Yeah. I'm just glad that there wasn't a sweep. That's what I was saying this whole time. I just do not want to sweep in the cup finals. And, and we got an extended series and it, it was crazy Ross though. Cause that start of that game. I think that's probably the sloppiest worst hockey I've seen ever from the Habs. Like they're getting outshot 11 to one. The shot attempts were way in Tampa's favor. They had nothing going. And then Nick Suzuki makes a nice play. Josh Anderson scores. That building goes crazy, and the momentum is totally flipped. And the Habs, something goes off inside their brains, and they're finally playing some good hockey. And this ended up, this was easily the best game we've seen all series long. Like, there was actually some emotion, some good hockey being played. Tampa couldn't really find an answer. Carey Price, I thought he played well, Ross, but I don't know about, about you, but it seemed like he was overplaying almost every shot. Like, if there was a rebound, he was way out of position, and that's how Tampa uh, scored their first goal is he was just so out of position so it seemed like he was a little nervous and on edge and he wasn't playing the puck as well as he usually does but it was good enough to keep them alive and get them the OT win do you think this will go back to Montreal for a game six I don't think so Ross like we it was great that the Habs won one at home and I I, I knew they were gonna win one at home I didn't I thought it was gonna be game three nope but game four they got it done they got some pride now the fans are going crazy but I just once it gets back to Tampa it's in their own building like you said all along there's fans there to celebrate the cup win if they win the mayor is gonna be stoked that they're back <laughs> for game five for the win and uh, I think that might be it but who knows? Well, Pilsy, we'll find out on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Game five of the Stanley Cup final. The last time there was not a game five in the finals was back in 98. So good thing to keep that streak going as long as possible because more hockey is more entertainment, and I am always here for that. Yeah, me too, Ross. And Sportsnet Stats, they put out some uh, interesting down 3-0 stats in the Cup finals. Teams that were down 3-0 in a cup final happened 27 times. Of the 27 times, 20 times they got swept. So more often than not, yeah, they don't end up making it. But the Habs, not a part of that equation. Four times they lose in game five, so not, not much better there. Once 
they've lost in, in six games, once they've lost in seven games, and only one time has a team won the Stanley Cup when they were down 3 nothing, and that was the 1942 hate saying this but it was the maple Leafs. so congrats to those 1942 maple Leafs we all remember and cherish so well congrats guys but i just thought that's some pretty crazy stuff for if you're down three nothing like the odds are against you only one team of 27 has ended up winning the cup so we'll see if montreal can make it too but i'm with you ross i think they're gonna fall in that game five category the only time I remember a team blowing a 3-0 series lead, albeit not in the finals, didn't Philly, Philly. come back from one in Against 2010? Boston. Yeah, yep. they did. And then Boston wins the cup the next year. So you have to go through your lumps and bruises before having that opportunity. But I don't see it happening, especially a team like Tampa. And Yanni Gord, what a hell of a player. He is a guy I don't think Tampa is going to move, but they have to do something, right? Are they going to have to sweeten it? the pot to get Seattle to take a big contract off their hands. I don't know, but if you could get Yanni Gord, I think any team would have him in the top six and he's still on the third line. And obviously it's a really good line, but he was kind of to blame there. I'd say for the overtime goal, first he gets his pocket picked by Josh Anderson. They go down. And then I mentioned off the top, it was the the deflection. It was actually off of Yanni Gord's stick on the back check. So that's a tough double bounce for uh, Gord, but I'd expect him to have a big game on Wednesday as uh, kind of a makeup. We know he scored big goals before game seven. They won one, nothing against the Islanders. He had the only goal shorthanded to boot. Yep. And uh, I just don't see him being held down for too long either. And Stamkos had a few really good looks. Funny enough. Doesn't it feel like Stamkos has been quiet? Almost like he's just kind of along for the ride. And then you look and he has 19 points in 21 games. So I don't know if that's just uh, because Kucherov and Point have played that much better than anybody else this postseason. But I think Stamkos could be an X factor here on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like he was so set up for his classic power play goal oh, yeah. he was trying. But man, speaking of captains, Ross, how about uh, the Canadiens captain, Shea Weber, getting that double minor high sticking right at the end of the game? Like imagine the feeling being the captain. You're at home, you're down three nothing. It's tied with like a minute left in the third, and you get a double minor penalty. Like your, your stomach's got to be on the floor. Like you're just so nervous. But luckily, his teammates bailed him out and he's got to be thanking Josh Anderson so much because that would have been a bad look if that's the way this this year no I was going to say series this year would have ended well and thank Carey Price because although they weren't ready to start overtime I forget which analyst maybe Kelly Rudy after the game uh, brought it up too but usually when you have a fresh sheet of ice over three minutes of power play you want to start with momentum and Sergachev went and they ju- they were just lackadaisical behind their own net, just breaking it out, but ultimately got a few opportunities. Stamkos, you mentioned he was in his spot. He also snuck down near the goal line, almost put one upstairs. Price had to be sharp off his angle. And then there was a little bumper play right into the slot where he made a great save, no rebound as well, which was huge. And next thing you know, Weber gets out of the box. But about that penalty... How about the the side angle that they showed where you see the, the ref's line of vision is staring right at it. No call. The linesman had to make the call. So I don't know if that's a, a fear with under a minute left in regulation of a an elimination game with the Stanley Cup on the line, but that's as blatant of a penalty as, as you'll ever see. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's the case, Ross. It's Look, this is the Montreal captain, and the it's at the pinnacle of a moment. You don't want to get the wrong call there. So I think he was a little hesitant. Was that shades of Pavelski against Vegas a couple years ago? Cody Eakin, it kind of right off a face-off similar type play. Yeah, yeah. But I think that one was weird because I think the the puck had moved and the puck wasn't right there. So the ref mm. didn't see that one fully. Whereas this one, like you said, you saw the side angle. The ref's looking right at it. But it's, it is a quick play too. Like it's not one of those high sticks where it was like, the stick gets caught up in the visor or something like that. Like it chipped him and then it fell down again. So I could see the hesitation, but yeah, I'm glad the linesman got together and they called that because that was an obvious call. He was leaking pretty badly. Finally, an exciting game. This Stanley cup final looking forward to Wednesday. We're also looking forward to the off season beginning the moment that the Stanley cup final ends and the Ottawa senators in position to make some noise and really Give themselves an opportunity to be in the conversation for the playoffs next year. So 
with that comes the responsibility of the draft and free agency and the expansion draft. We're going to wait and touch on the expansion draft more next week as we get deeper into our draft rankings. Right now, we're just still enjoying the fact that there's live hockey on TV. Pilsy, we're dangerously close to that part of the summer where you turn on the TV and it's only baseball. Like, come on. Ugh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> excited for that. But at least this year's been better because we're, we're in July, Ross, and we're still yes. talking about the Stanley Cup Finals. So that's all right. And the goal is for a normal season next year, which would mean reporting to training camp in mid-September. Will I get my beloved development camp this year? Probably not. But getting that calendar back on track in early September, that just leaves one month, August. Hit the cottage and all that. But we know the offseason is always busy in the NHL. This year, even more than ever, with the flat cap, with the expansion draft, and so many variables with so many different teams. And like I mentioned, we're going to wait till next week. We're going to get into more of our protection. You know I'm Team Dax all the way. Is Pillsy? Find out next week. But today, we get back to our draft rankings after a word from our friends at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online, and they've been doing it for 20 years. They've been doing this ahead of their time. Now, everything you can buy online, Rock Auto was a step ahead. They always are, and they have everything you need. That's why they're the number one spot when you need anything fixed with your car, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even a new carpet. You can get everything with a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. I mentioned prices. That's the best part at rockauto.com because they're always reliably low and they're the same, whether you're a professional or do-it-yourselfer. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It's the rhetorical question we always ask because you never want to do that, but know that you're taken care of with the best auto parts available to you. It's Rock Auto. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right? Locked on. In their How Did You Hear About Us box, that way they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. All right, Pillsy, before we get into our draft rankings, just a quick overview for those just joining us on our countdown. What we've done here as Pillsy and I, we don't pretend to be professional scouts, but we know a few. So we've taken our eight most trusted lists and averaged them out to get our final Send Central draft rankings. We've used the two TSN guys, Bob McKenzie and friend of the show, Craig Button. We've used another friend of the show, Scott Wheeler, along with Corey Pronman from The Athletic. Best friend of the show, Tony Ferrari with Dauber Prospects. We've got Scouching. We've got the Elite Prospects Draft Guide and McKean's Hockey. And what we've done, we average them out. And Pillsy, you've been waiting a long time for this one. At number 51, with an average rank of 54.6, it's Chase Stillman, formerly of the Sudbury Wolves. He went over and played in the Danish junior circuit this past year funny enough the same organization that mad sogard belongs to over in denmark but as scott wheeler told us it's glorified beer league over there so how is it possible to really get a grasp on what kind of player stillman is from that sort of sample size well let's start with some background information first i don't i don't want people's first impression to be like this guy went over and played beer league hockey for for a season where he ended up to finish his season was with a gold medal around his neck, playing for Team Canada at the World Under-18s. He and yesterday's profile, Wyatt Johnston, made a great checking line. So he's got a little bit of that oomph to his game. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of oomph to his game. And he oomph. gets that mostly from his dad, Ross. Corey Stillman, former senator, former NHLer. And also, Two he was also... Cup champ. Yeah, not a big deal. And Corey Stillman was also Chase Stillman's coach with the Sudbury Wolves. So you get a little bit of that father, son, coach, player mentality going. And I just also, as a quick aside, the name Chase Stillman is kind of ironically hilarious. Like Chase, you're running around, but you're still a Stillman, kind of a, kind of an oxymoron (laughs) name there. So you got to get into that. Um, But what I like is when Chase Stillman is on the ice, he is not a Stillman. 
He is chasing the puck around. He plays a hard-nosed, gritty game, and he can make dynamic moves offensively. Like, I I think I talked about this when we um, profiled him earlier on in the podcast, but his highlight of the night, his very first ever OHL goal, Ross, he breaks the ankles of the defender. Like, he just makes him slip, fall right on his ass, and then beats the goalie cleanly. Like, welcome to the OHL kid. And he kept going from there. He's aggressive and he wins puck battles. Like this is, I always talk about that line, the perfect line in my eyes, playmaker, sniper, and a guy who can go get the puck. Chase Stillman is the guy that will go get that puck and he has no problem doing it. And if he gets the puck and the playmaker and sniper aren't available, he could do things on his own. Like he's got nice hands. He's got a good shot, a good release. And I I just think that this guy has the pedigree to be a really nice supporting line mate on maybe I would say top six is maybe a little too high, but a middle six line, he could definitely be a nice fit. Hey, you know, what's fun is when analytics match the eye test. You mentioned a guy who's going to go in there and cause havoc, get the puck. Well, EP draft guide, their advanced tracking of him. He finished the world under 18s with one of the best expected goals. You know how we feel about expected goals. Put it in the net, why don't you? But also offensive zone puck retrievals. So he's hard on the forecheck. He's great at retrieving pucks for his teammates and therefore allowing them to have more success. He's got the hockey sense. You could tell he grew up around his dad who played nearly a thousand games in the NHL. And a fun stat I always like to bring up about his dad is he won two cups. One in 2004, one in 2006, but they were back-to-back because he had the lockout in between. So what's more impressive, Pilsy? That back-to-back cups with two different teams in three years, but back-to-back, or Brian Boucher, whose son we profiled yesterday, who has the NHL modern-day record with five straight shutouts. Well, I mean, goalie-friendly show. We're going to yes. go with the <laughs> shutout streak. That's for sure. No no offense to Corey Stillman, who only has two back-to-back cup rings. And in Tampa, he had like 18 points in 20 games. Like, Corey Stillman was a stud. He came over to Ottawa, oh, yeah. the same trade that one of your favorite senators, uh, Mike Commodore, they both came over together in a trade that sent Patrick Eves and Joe Corvo to Carolina. So, it didn't really work out. Ottawa got swept by Pittsburgh in the first round that year for zip. Thanks Whoops. for coming out, Sens. Um, but at that same token, it's it's kind of cool to see a little familiarity. And he, he's not the only guy with a little Sens, uh, what what should we say? Tie-in. Sens tie-in. Uh, as later on in, in our rankings today, we've got another guy who lived in Ottawa growing up for a few years. But back to Chase Stillman. What kind of player do you think he'll be at the NHL level? Is he fast enough? Because that's been a knock on a lot of guys around this part of the rankings. What's his skating like? I don't think his skating is really like too high or too low. Like I think it's just around an average level, but where, where he's going to excel is his hockey IQ, right? Like he doesn't need to be the best skater because he, he just, this is what I love about these uh, second generational players is they just eat, sleep and breathe hockey. Like this guy knows the game in and out. Like he can't even wake up in the morning and have breakfast without his coach in his kitchen, talking to him about how tonight's game should go or what he did wrong in last game. Now, of course, Stillman's not his coach anymore in Sudbury, but that was the case in his rookie season. And I just think he's the kind of guy that he he knows what he needs to do to be successful. And he he's going to elevate whoever is on his line. He's a right winger, so that's perfect. I feel like the Sens could use a little bit more depth on the right wing side. And this is a guy that I, I see being a really good NHL prospect. So for me, Ross, I give him four out of five stars. I would I would be comfortable picking him with pick number 42 if it comes down to it. I'm right with you there. I'd give it, I'll say three and a half stars, but again, that's a right in the range where I think you can get him. maybe even trade back to, to around 50 where we have him in our average rankings, but he's a, he's definitely a sense prototype player. Oh yeah. So it's something to keep our eye on. That's chase Stillman. And one last fun fact about his dad, he's got one of the highest points per game in Senator's history. He only came at a trade deadline and then left right after but he had 19 points in 24 games call it the alish hemsky special why don't you coming in and making an immediate impact and i flipped out those years i said in tampa he had almost a point per game in their stanley cup run i was wrong hand up it was with carolina 0506 he had 26 points in 25 games on his way to the stanley cup if it weren't for cam ward winning con Smythe, 
he was probably right in there in that conversation. But Chase Stillman, the son of Corey and brother of current NHLer Riley Stillman, comes in at number 51 on our on our draft rankings. I'll just go through quickly the rankings for each of the scouts. EP Draft Guide has him the highest of anywhere at 41. Hmm, right next to that 42nd pick. And then Bob McKenzie at 49. McKean's at 51. Corey Pronman at 65. And Scott Wheeler has him at 67th overall. Interestingly enough, Tony Ferrari and Scouting didn't rank him at all in their top 100. So is that cause for concern or is it just kind of meh? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a little bit cause for concern, but then you look at the overall consensus is he's going to be picked somewhere between 45 and, and 65. Right. So I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. And if you're wondering why we haven't heard Craig buttons name a lot in our ranking so far, the only thing he's released right as of now is a top 32. So you'll be hearing his name a lot more coming up. And I'm assuming that once the Stanley cup final is over, we'll get his final top 100. So until then, uh, Craig, won't be on uh, our list of scouts here very often, but next on the list. So we're in, we're number 50 now, Pelzi. We've been working our way up from 75, already 25 profiles done. And I'm excited about the rest of them today, uh, except this one. I'm kind of lukewarm. I've got them at two stars on a, a sends meter, but coming in at number 50 with an average rank of 54.3, Evan Noss from the Quebec Rempar. So he's a Canadian. He's from BC. Ended up playing a year in the USHL, but now he's up playing with the Rampards. And this is what worries me right off the bat. This is from Will Scouch. Some of the worst track data of any defenseman I've tracked all year, but I could see easily why he could be picked in the first two rounds. His skill under pressure and evasion ability to find new lanes and escape the defensive end are interesting and better than many. But the rest of the equation, to me, is largely negative. What was your initial impression of Evan Nas? Well, I don't, I don't want to undercut him so so soon. So I'll, I'll give my initial impression is... There were some positives in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the, the real positive to this guy, and it's, it's funny that we started him off like this, is... For once, we're talking about a guy whose best skill is his skating. Whoa. Yeah, that's not a usual on this show with the prospects. Usually it's under average or poor. But EP says his stride posture is nearly perfect, which for EP to say anybody is nearly perfect in anything is usually an eyebrow raiser right away. It's like, wow, okay. And this helps his ability to retrieve pucks break the puck up the middle by just carrying it up the ice. And I think when you're a general manager and you see a defenseman that can skate, you're the, the goggles are just on and you're like, Oh my God, I need this guy. I got to have this guy. So what you're saying is yes, some of the underlying stats don't look great, but just watching him, you're, you're going to be enamored by his skating and you're going to be like, okay, we can work on all the other things, but his skating is going to get him through where I think the most trouble happens Ross is he gets overwhelmed and makes poor decisions when he's rushed. And then when he makes a poor decision, he tries to work extra aggressive to get himself out of that first Mm -hmm. problem. And he makes a second and third problem out of that. Scott Wheeler said he finds himself in trouble if the first breakout option isn't there. And then he has to adjust. Like then he's just like, Oh crap, what do I do now? So So, it's problem solving ability might not be at the top of his attributes. Definitely. And that's the issue. And that's where I think teams are thinking, well, we can work on that in development, but that's, I can I, fix them. Yeah, we, we can <laughs> fix this guy. Uh, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are known for being able to fix guys like Alex Galchenyuk. So and maybe Jared Cowan. Yeah, and Jared Cowan. So maybe they'll take a chance on him. Well, by fixing Jared Cowan, they just bought him out, which <laughs> maybe was the proper way to fix him. But that's a story for another day. Um, I think, yeah, like I said, the, the ability to skate is really what's going to cause people to go high on him. And I don't think the Sens need a guy like this. He's not in their range. They have left shot defensemen. So for me, I gave him three stars, Ross, because I do think that he could fix some of these kinks and he could be a decent defenseman. But I don't see him being in the realm of a Sens pick. No, me neither. I have what's interesting about him is for me, he's either going to be a complete bust or he's going to be a top four defensive stud. Because if he can put it together, he has the big frame. He's 6'2". Could it could end up being six three by the end of it, and if he puts on some weight, 
he doesn't have that mean streak though for a big defenseman like we're about to hear coming up next but when it comes to his overall body of work i think that there's too much risk for the amount of reward that you're going to get out of evan Nas. so i have him at two stars and although ep says his skating stride is nearly perfect I would rather a guy whose decision-making is nearly perfect. So for that reason, it's two stars for me coming in with 54.3. Now, there's a a wide range for him. Like EP Draft Guide, I was actually surprised that they have him that high because problem-solving is usually something that they value quite a bit. They have him at 25th overall, and Scouching, who is also very analytically based, is at 99. So how is that for a range? 25 to 99 pills. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and that, and that's where we've talked about it before. Like we respect a lot of what EP does. They're the most in-depth prospect rankings guide you can get. 767 pages worth of stuff. Ooh. But they are obsessed with their idea of a perfect skating stride, which I'm sure there's science behind it and it makes a lot of sense. But if you don't skate exactly the way they have in mind, you're you're off the rails for them. So this guy does skate exactly how they want. So they've got him through the roof in their in their rankings, like 25th overall. I don't know about that. Corey Pronman, who's usually the out outlier of all the, these rankings, he has him at 43. Ferrari at 47, McKenzie at 46, and McKean's at 48. So you, you think that's more likely the range that he's going to go, or will a team jump up and take him early with that big body skating combination? I think a team's going to jump and take him early. And uh, the, First round or no? No, I don't think so. Well, early maybe, second? Yeah, late first, early second. Uh, but I, I would let another team do that i would let them have that chance and yeah like i just don't i don't see him like i wouldn't be happy if he was the first defenseman the send selected no in this draft. Way. you know what i mean it has like to be that, a righty it has to be a righty yeah so that for that reason he's not in their range and i don't think it's gonna work out all right sounds like a guy we can move on from pretty quickly 32 games four goals 18 assists with quebec 32 penalty minutes and was a minus 10. So he comes in at number 50 on our Send Central draft rankings. Pillsy, we're into the 40s. You can bet that these profiles will be more intense and I won't say more interesting, but of more interest as we get closer to where the Sens have not two seconds, 39 and 42, as we keep saying, and we'll work our way up to 10th overall. But until then, Pillsy's parlay of the day, half right last night, half right. So we got to push so far, but he does that at bet online because bet online is the number one home for the locked on podcast network. When it comes to our online sports wagering, it's unbelievable, easy to use, and you can get the best welcome bonus going. If you sign up today, because you're a listener of locked on senators, how easy is that? Here's how you do it. Go to BetOnline.ag on your mobile device or internet browser on your desktop and when you sign up for your free account at betonline.ag, you can use our promo code locked on. So there'll be a spot for it. You put in your deposit and promo code locked on will get you a 50% welcome bonus. So if you put in $200, bingo, bango, bongo, $100 right there for you. Put in $100, yeah, you got it. $50 for you to free play with and have some fun. Now, no games tonight, so we're going to pass on Pillsy's parlay of the day we're gonna have to get him into baseball coming up although olympics around the corner so once the nhl season's done maybe we'll be able to throw a wager here or there on the tokyo summer olympics but until then he needs a day off and you were on such a heater with the sends especially down the stretch pilsy at bet online so because you had all those green numbers and that's the beauty of the parlay you're probably still laughing or at least breaking even yeah, I, I might be laughing, but it might be sad laughing. I don't know if I'm quite breaking even. I, I'm going to, once the Stanley Cup Finals is over, I'm going to go back and see how I actually finished in at the end of the season, like dollars-wise. I'm not talking how many parlays I got right, but where am I up and down in the dollars, we'll see. But Ross, it's sad to admit, but getting a push last night, wh- what an exhilaration for a guy who's been cold as me. <laughs> just Just getting that $10 back instead of losing it was just perfect. They they tied the over at five and the Habs won in overtime. So safe to say, Pilsy's parlay of the day is back. The key is that you're in the action. So don't sit on the sidelines and get in. 
using betonline.ag. So sign up and don't forget your promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Make sure you're locked on Senators wherever you download your podcasts. And please, 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 if you could write a review, we'd really appreciate that. They do go a long way. And also, don't forget, Monday through Friday, we're your number one home for Senators-themed content heading in to the NHL draft. We've got our profiles counting down from 75 to 1. We've got some fun guests coming up along the way. So subscribe, listen, download, and tell your friends about Locked On Senators wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pilsy, back into the rankings. We're into the 40s and coming in at number 49 with an average ranking of 53.5 despite being not ranked by six of our eight scouts. It's Roman Schmidt from the U.S. National Team Development Program. He had been committed to Boston University, committed in 2018. But just two weeks ago, he decommitted. He is now heading to Kitchener of the OHL next season. Your thoughts on the big, big, big defenseman? Yeah, well, the first thought, Ross, is holy Schmidt, is this guy a big defenseman? Six foot six, 210 pounds already. So he he's like, oh, I forget. Who was that Finnish prospect that was massive where I was saying on highlights, like you, maybe you don't know his jersey number, but right away you're able to pinpoint him. Samu Helanius, the big centerman. Yep, that's the guy, and a very similar situation for Roman Schmidt. And Ross, he's got a Senators connection that uh, I'll, I'll tee you a up couple. for here. He's got a couple. So his parents must have moved around when he was a kid because he was born in Michigan. He ends up finishing his midget career with the Don Mills Flyers. Don't know if you heard of them, but they're a complete wagon. He played with Shane Wright, Brennan Othman, another Ottawa uh, boy, uh, Brant Clark, was on that team as well. Get this. Roman Schmidt in minor midget had 71 points in 73 games, and he was eighth in team scoring. Eighth in team scoring with that. But then goes down, plays in the U.S. development program. I should mention, though, before he gets to Don Mills Flyers, he played for the Ottawa Little Senators. So a bit of an Ottawa connection. And not only that, but he, he there's this really cool article that the U.S. national team put out where – they mentioned, how did you fall in love with hockey? Now, at the age of two, he started skating, figure skating, funny enough, and that didn't work out. So he goes, puts on the hockey skates, and I don't know if I've ever seen a six-foot-six figure skater. So even at such a young age, he made the right decision growing forward. But when he was living in Ottawa, this is a quote from that article that the U.S. Uh, hockey National Team Development Program put up. He said, we were living in Ottawa at the time, and my dad would always be watching Senators games. I would go in and watch with them, and I just loved it. For my seventh birthday, I asked for hockey gear, and that is how I started playing. I can't explain why I like hockey, but it really interested me. I loved watching Senators games, and I would usually get tickets for my birthday or Christmas to go to games. I loved watching Eric Carlson play. It was always exciting for me to see how he could change the game but Pilsy the six foot six right shot defenseman so he's got that same connection to Carlson there but the style of game they play on the ice quite quite different yeah very different but hey as Ottawa Senators fans you love hearing a guy that grew up with the passion for the Sens like he's one of those guys where if the Sens were to draft him and he puts that jersey on it means a whole lot more to him you know he's getting that nostalgia he's that's the reason he fell in love with the game of hockey. And now the team he grew up cheering for and getting tickets for Christmas and birthday presents, he's now playing for them. So I think that's an extra boost for sure. That's uh, definitely part of the culture that the Sens are trying to embody here. But let's get into his on-ice play here. This guy, he is a good penalty killer. Like for the national team, he, he's got a big frame and he's not afraid to use long it. Long stick. Yeah, and that really helps you defend, especially when guys are smaller and they don't have the same range and uh, length that you do. And um, there wasn't, since he wasn't ranked by a lot of guys, there wasn't as much info as we're used to. So um, definitely, guys, I like to use the hockeywriters.com. Uh, it's a great website uh, for draft profiles. I use them for most guys. So they had him 
as uh, saying he was the best defending in his own zone and boxing out, which you love to hear from a guy like that. He does take a lot of shots for more of a shutdown defenseman. But the thing is, he relies on his wrist shot maybe too much. And maybe you guys are saying, what, Pilsy, you're always talking about how you love defensemen, that feather wrist shots through for tips and seeing eye shots. Well, yeah, but when you got six foot six frame, 210 pounds, put some oomph onto that, but use that weight for a clapper once in a while. And I just wasn't seeing that. So that was a little bit disappointing for me with a guy at that size. You think you could utilize that, but I still think he's an interesting prospect. Like you said, he's got the sense connection. He's a big frame. He's a right shot defenseman. He can play a physical game. So I think if you had the expectation that he would be a bottom pair, physical shutdown defenseman, he could be a big, big, good pick. But I don't know if I would pick him with uh, any of the second round picks. And if you were to pick him, he's got to be your second defenseman drafted. Like, I don't want him to be the Sens coming away as that's their top defenseman drafted. So I like a lot of what I see and what I hear from Roman Schmidt. But for me, I gave him three out of five stars just because I don't think it's quite the right fit. You know what? The more I'm thinking about this, Ottawa might be able to get him in the fifth round. Like the, the, he might still be on the board. He wasn't ranked at all. That's and the thing. I'm just seeing this now. So we had him ranked 55th by Bob McKenzie at midterms. McKean's had him at 52, but I'm just looking at McKean's final list. They have him at 137. So talk Ooh. about a drop there. I don't know what happened if there was a, a huge weakness that was unveiled in his game, but this could be a late round pick for the Ottawa Senators. So how we did our rankings is if you weren't ranked at all, like he was an honorable mention with Scott Wheeler. So that means he had to be at least a hundredth, right? Cause that's, that's how many he put out, but we didn't dock a player for not being ranked. So maybe our rankings are imperfect, but they're perfect for us. And so Roman Schmidt, he's a guy who I don't think will be going in the second round, certainly not in the top 50. But we'll see where Bobby Mack has him because, of course, Bobby, he knows best about what teams are thinking. So I think it's going to be really intriguing to see and have this Ottawa connection to a guy uh, like Roman Schmidt, who's a right shot defenseman. And he's the kind of guy where if you get him in a late round pick, he's going to be such a fun guy to track because he's got the size and he's entering a new league where you're like, okay, how's he going to fit in in the OHL now? Whereas in the U.S. program, he was more of a shutdown guy, but can he get that offense back to his game? So I'm really interested and intrigued by Roman Schmidt, but I'll go three stars as well because if they take him in the second round, it's certainly a reach. Hell, even I, I said I'd like to pick at 74, but even that, I'm uh, I'm starting to get a little dipsy-daisy about it. I'm not sure if I want to do that or not, but if you can get him past 100, then you, then that's where you should go up and be like, all right, let's take a take a flyer on a guy like that. Yeah, I agree. That's the thing. I, I gave him lower stars. Just well, it's it's concerning for me when that many guys don't rank him. Like exactly. they're not. They're not. He's not even on their radar. And so. it's not like he was hiding in a league nobody sees. People yeah. were watching him. <laughs> and he's six foot six. You can't miss him. So right. if you're watching the the national program, you're gonna see he's there. So obviously they saw him and they didn't love him, but. Where, where my uh, my head starts spinning and I start getting excited, Ross, we talked about it off air. Imagine a bottom pair of the K-Train and Roman Schmidt. Oh my God, that would be one big, heavy third pair. So we have him at an average ranking of 53.5, but after changing McKean's rank from their midterms to what they put up in their final rankings, his average would be 96. So again... Maybe a guy that I know Ottawa doesn't have a pick between 74 and the sixth round, no fourth, no fifth this year. But maybe they grab a middle round pick and take him. However, I wouldn't hold your breath. This is a player who, uh, yeah, I just see the raw tools. So I'm excited about that. But at the same token, it makes me nervous that so many other places just ignored him completely. Like, I know he's an honorable mention for Scott Wheeler, but this next guy, he's ranked by absolutely everyone. He's unbelievable. So Roman Schmidt, 49th on our rankings at 48, coming in with an average ranking of 52.3, Prokhor Poltapov. And that's a fun name to say. It's one of those that's tough to say the first time, but the way this guy plays, it's not going to be long before he's a household name in the North American system. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love this guy, Ross. These are the prospects that when I'm reading about and watching their highlights, I can't help but smile because these guys are are so inspiring. Like he's five foot 11, 174 pounds, but EP describes him as a power forward at heart even if his size doesn't match the power forward label. And this is like, we talk about uh, some of our gripes with the way EP scouts, but this is wild Ross. I haven't seen them uh, scout and talk about a player like this in a long time. Here's a quote from them. Poltipov has no interest in a soft skill game. He wants to grind it out, rip through opposing defenses and take on goalies one-on-one. I love that mentality. They describe it as a bulldog mentality. Like for me watching his highlights it just seems like anytime there's a loose puck or the puck is in play and he's nearby, he wants it more than the opponent and he'll do whatever it takes to get it. And he loves just going right at defensemen. Like he won't, he won't try to make a pass or bank it off the boards. He's just going to go right at you and try to beat you wide with speed or try to deke right through you. And then his shot is so good. His release can fool goalies. This guy's a goal scorer in the MHL. He led his team with 52 points in 61 games, even earned him a cup of coffee in the KHL one KHL game. But the energy and the motor that this guy has just makes me so excited to, to keep diving into this player. Me too. I've got him at four stars, and here's what Wheeler had to say, and I love this quote. He plays fast. He's strong, balanced skater, and he makes decisions quickly, works hard off the puck to get open, and applies pressure defensively, thrives in the gut of the ice. I love those, those words from Wheeler, just meaning he gets to the middle, gets the dirty areas, and has enough skill to get to the net and fight through traffic with control to score around the home plate area. He's the kind of guy you win with. Like if you have this guy on your third line, he could be the the best player on your third line, a guy who drives the play. You mentioned he's the leading scorer in the MHL, 25 goals in 61 games, also had 30 penalty minutes and was plus 22 and looked awesome with Russia at the world under 18s point per game, seven points in seven games there for him. It's going to be a bit longer of a development path though. And you just have to take one look at him. Like, Google image search this guy. He looks like a bulldog. He looks like a guy who's going to intimidate his opponents. He was a captain at his U18 level with uh, Dynamo Moskova. And playing in a big market like Moscow, I think that's going to be good for him going forward. I think he'll play there at least for the next two years and then reassess. But this guy's game, I think, is more so built for the North American style. So maybe he comes over a little sooner, but... He's a guy who would play in Belleville or the American Hockey League wherever he gets drafted for a year or two. And I think coaches are going to love him. And it's not going to be long. I think of all the players we've profiled so far, and maybe it's not a hot take because we're climbing up closer to number one, but I think this guy is going to be the first to make it to the National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, definitely. Like, he, he's he got the pedigree, he's got the skill, and uh, what I love about this guy too, Ross, and uh, I was thinking about you with this, with DevCamp. Like, imagine, okay, the Sens draft Poltipov. He comes to DevCamp. All the other guys, a lot of North American guys on the Sens draft uh, prospect pool, they're like, who the heck is this Poltipov yeah. kid? 5'11", he gets on the ice, they maybe underestimate a bit, and then you start doing some drills, and this guy's outworking some of the top players. He's going to be he's gonna be cross-checking your top first-round draft picks, and they're like, get off, who is this Russian kid? Yeah. And that's going to elevate everyone's game. Like, you can't be sitting lazy when a guy has a motor like this and is working so hard. Like, guys like this elevate their teammates and they raise the bar for the compete level in practice and stuff like that. So I know that sounds like a funny thing to think of, but that's what I think of when I think of pro car Poltipov. Like I gave this guy four stars. He's a left shot, but classic Russian plays on his off wing and plays on the right side. I just think he's going to score so many goals. He's going to be so exciting to watch. So I would love for the draft, the sense to draft this kid. Yeah. Four stars out of five for me for Prokhor Poltipov. Would you be cool if they took him at 42? Yep. Yeah, I think me so. Too. It's, it's that motor, right? Like it, when you have a kid that's that driven already, imagine he gets a little more size in the offseason, Ross. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Look out. I could just see a, a scenario and maybe it's just the bias of t- – bunching two Russians together, but Igor ripping shots and then, and then Poltapov just heading in and grinding out rebounds. And you know that Igor's heavy shot when he's not picking corners, he's creating havoc in front. And then Poltapov can just come in and bury rebounds and then the Sens can win the cup. But in all seriousness, like 
you know, if he can be a third liner in the NHL, I think that he's going to be one of the better third liners in the league. Like we talked to start this show, Yanni Gord, that could be a bit of a comparable. I know Gord's a center, but as a winger, a guy who's just motor, he's going to finish every check and just be a pain in the ass to play against. Yeah, that's what I love. A pain in the ass to play against. Yeah, my kind of projection for him, Ross, is right similar to you, like a third line guy, but I see him as being a really good part of a second power play unit. Like he's going to be a guy the net like. Front guy? Yeah, net front guy or a guy that's like on a second power play unit. We only get 30, 40 seconds, but he's right. going to get the puck in the zone and he's going to keep it there because he wants that ozone time. He wants that puck when it's power play time. So I, I love this kid and I'm so excited to see more of him. We got to ask Tony Ferrari why he's got him all the way down at 83, whereas everyone else seems pretty similar in the 40s and 50s. Scouching at 43, Wheeler at 54, McKenzie at 62, EP Draft Guide at 57. But then there's two entities, McKean's and Pronman, who have him at 34 and 33, respectively. So a guy who I believe with 42 would be a fantastic pick. Yep, I'm with you. I'd be comfortable if this is their first winger drafted. Like, this is their top winger drafted. Like, you take a centerman or D with uh, picks number 10 and 39, and then you've got uh, you've got your winger at 42. I would I would be down for that for sure. So, Prokhor Poltapov at 52.3 average ranking, coming in at number 48 on today's draft ranking. So, to recap, we've got Chase Stillman, at 51, Evan Nas at 50. We have Roman Schmidt at 49 and Prokhor Poltapov at 48. Pilsy, this was probably top to bottom the most excited I've been of a, a group of four prospects that we've had so far. Yeah, definitely with the with potential being the kind of catalyst here. Yeah, they, there's so much potential here. All these guys have different uh different aspects that they can really rise rise with. So I, I like this group too. Chase Stillman and Poltapov though, those are my two guys for today. Okay, well go have your say on Twitter at Send Central. We're putting up week-long polls for each and every show. We've got the thread pinned to our profile. Please retweet it. That would go a long way as well or give it the old heart, the old like. And then through that thread, each day we've got which four we have. And then we ask you, which one of these guys would you most like the Sens to draft? So far in yesterday's poll, Tyler Boucher is in the lead. And you know he has my vote there as well. Still plenty of time to have your say. So comment as well if there's a reason why you do or don't like a specific prospect. And we'll put up the four today. You've got a tough choice ahead of you, Pilsy. I know you gave me two options, but who are you voting for between Poltapov and Chase Stillman? <sighs> I, I want to say Stillman, but Poltapov just is drawing me in too much. So I, I'm probably going to vote Poltapov here. All right. Well, there's a little sneak preview. Tomorrow we're into the 40s even deeper. And here's a little fun fill in the blank that we want you to engage with us at Sens Central. So here are the Sens top draft picks since the year 2000. Jason Spezza, second overall in 2001. Tim Stutzla, third overall in 2020. Brady Kachuk, fourth overall in 2018. Then, of course, Jake Sanderson, along with Stutzla in 2020. He went fifth. Mika Zibanejad went sixth. Thank God the Sens aren't drafting ninth, though, eh, Pilsy? Brian Lee in 05 and Jared Cowan in 2009. But then, fill in the blank. Who do you think the Sens will take at 10th overall? Pilsy, I know that you love this. Uh, we've got a couple answers saying Cole Sillinger is the guy there. Chaz Lucius comes to mind as well. Hopefully McTavish says the professional hashtag analysis there. But Mason McTavish was on team TSN, almost said team 1200, TSN 1200 this morning. And that guy is an absolute beauty. Get this. He says when he golfs, he uses the driving range balls because he's not, he can't be bothered to buy uh, new balls every time he loses them. So I Sounds like was, me. Yeah, that was a, a funny little aside that uh, Money Mace uh, had. Uh, going into the draft. I still don't see him getting past Detroit at sixth overall, but my answer would be McTavish. If I could get any of the realistic options at number 10. Hey, Pilsy, before we go, did you hear Buffalo really likes William Eklund by all accounts? Would you be shocked if Owen Power is not the pick at number one if they decide to go with William Eklund instead? I think the more shocking thing, Ross, would be is if they're not taking Owen Powers, 
then they're taking Matty Beniers. Right. And then if they don't take either one of those guys, and I'm not trying to downplay Eklund, but when you're looking at the Sabres, like you need a center and defenseman, like a winger seems like an interesting option, but a lot of guys are really high on Eklund too. So I I would be surprised if that's the route they went. And you mentioned the two names. So they're going to go up and the draft is going to be held virtually again. I don't know how much of it because it's in Secaucus. It's at the NHL network studio. So I wonder if like a team will have a representative there. I mean, the States are pretty much back open. It, It seems strange to have it as virtual as it was only three months into the pandemic or whenever it was, or I guess they ended up postponing the draft till October. So it was even deeper through that cycle, but I'm really interested to see how they're going to do the draft this year on July 23rd, but it's going to be really fun if they start off by saying the Buffalo Sabres select from the university of Michigan, and then you still have no idea who they're going to take. Kent Johnson. Yes. Could you imagine like, that's the beauty of the draft. Like, We've been shocked before. I, I always go back to the Yesberry Kotkaniemi woman who just looks absolutely flabbergasted. By the way, Kotkaniemi, healthy scratch last night for the Montreal Canadiens, and today is his birthday. Oh, man, that's tough for the kid. But I just want to say quickly, like, that was a weird shot when Montreal scored their first goal, and then they went right to the press box. Not a single guy in the press box cheered. Not a fist pump, not a smile, nothing. Wow. So... I don't know. That's that's not a great team mentality look if you're asking me. Now, maybe maybe I'm, um, as a viewer, not really buying into this. Maybe that's like a, a shot from before or it, it was before the goal or it wasn't right after something. But the way it looked is they scored the goal. They went up to the press box. None of those Habs guys are happy they scored. Odd look. Oh, well, let's keep that in mind as we look into game five. We'll be back to have a preview of that tomorrow. And we've got some fun ones. I'm just going to look up, maybe give a little tease. For tomorrow's rankings, we've got one from the WHL. We're actually going right back to the same MHL team that Poltapov plays for. We've got another forward from that team. We've got a Finn and another high motor player from the U.S. National Team Development Program. And guess what? Shocker alert. He's committed to the University of Michigan. We'll leave it for that today. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.